0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Lockdown Living Podcast, where every episode we take some time to look at the unique circumstances we find ourselves in and how we can best embrace the day, make the most of the moment and live for God in all we do. fortunate today to have three amazing guests. We've got Nemi from our Welling venue. We have got Tony from our Elton venue and Catherine from our Sid Cup six o'clock venue. And uh, so great spread from across the church and uh, some amazing uh, things that they're going to bring to us today and our discussion. So great to have you guys here. You doing okay? Yeah,
1: pretty good. (laughs)
0: We're enjoying Nemi's curtains. I'm a fan. I think they're uh, they're a great addition to this Zoom call and uh, he, he, he's thought long and hard about where to go in the house and I think you've chosen well Nemi with that background. For those who are listening rather than watching, it's basically the greatest curtains you've ever seen. A lot of leaves, a bit of turquoise. I don't really know how to explain them but they look great. Well we're gonna jump straight in and let me just say we are, it's the first one we've done with Uh, recording over zoom so if someone's wi-fi cuts out or the audio sounds robotic uh, it's because uh, that seems to happen all the time when we do these things and we're just going to try and roll with it so uh, yeah just go with it and hopefully we'll manage to make it through to the end so today we are talking about mission mission Now, Jesus, before his ascension, we talked about the ascension recently, when he returned to heaven, before he ascended to heaven, he gave us the great commission, our purpose, our meaning as Christians. And he said this in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. you. Now, that's that's the, the mission statement. That's what we're all about. That's what we're living. And that hasn't changed during lockdown. But a lot of other things have changed. And uh, Nemi, let's start with you. I've I've seen you during some of these church prayer meetings and, and, and different Zoom calls we've had. And you're usually sat in a chair with something like 18 children climbing on your back. <laughs> and then you talk about doing like banking with, you know, all these rich people, I don't know, in Switzerland or something. And then homeschooling and then prayer. And I'm like, I don't know how your life works, Nemi. And uh, I'm just interested amongst the, the kind of the, the climbing kids and the the, the the bankers and and all those things in between. How what what is evangelism even look like for you in this season, which must seem a little bit crazy?
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that about my my family. Uh, just to put it out there, I think I still got one wife. The last time I checked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Thank you for that. Um. I think it's been very very interesting. I guess for everyone. I mean, I'm not going to use that word unprecedented again, because I have had it one many, too many times. Um, but the reality is that, um, I guess as us as Christians, um, uh, our our, our purpose doesn't change, right? Regardless of what situation we find ourselves. And so um, even in lockdown, even in this period of, you know, we're incubating in our homes, um, we still have to be who we are, who God has called us to be. Um, and so, yeah, again, it's, it's doing the same thing. I mean, the interesting thing also is that it's sometimes a bit easier now because now you can just send a text or just forward over and roll over the church, um, invite other people. Um, whereas sometimes it could have been awkward, maybe with, especially with work colleagues, when you send it to them. I mean, we've been interacting on Zoom and other things. So just, Slipping in one as though it was it was by error you sent it to them to say hey by the way check out um my church you know on a Sunday if you're free you know get in and and join in and stuff so yeah it doesn't take away anything uh, but we we're just you know doing it slightly differently that we don't have the uh, kind of face-to-face type of conversation
0: mm. yeah you're right there's some some really Great unique opportunities I like I say just by accident it's like, oh yeah just you know if you're interested here's a little link check it out you're right there's there's some some unique opportunities and we'll probably explore that a bit more in a sec but Catherine why don't you just tell us a bit about what you've been up to because you work for Fusion and usually you're based with students and focusing on sharing the gospel with them and connecting them into the local church but things have changed quite a bit for you in the last few weeks haven't they what's been going on
1: yeah, so with Fusion, our focus has always been like doing student work in our local church really well and then helping other churches do that really well. So we're doing it locally to then equip wider. There's always been looking outwards. How can we serve the wider church um, to do Yeah, student work really well? But we decided when the UK locked down um, that actually we've been training students in how to do small groups really well. We can easily put our training online, so we should probably just open up our training to all Christians, so not just students. So, I've been training loads of people today. We had like we had our little milestone of over a thousand registrants for Amazing. our training, um, and I've just been loving meeting people from actually all over the world. Um, we've had people plug in from yeah, the US, Canada. Um, Germany the Netherlands all over and and of course all over the UK as well and just getting to have conversations with them about how do we do online small groups really well I really believe they're the heartbeat of the local church and they're the places where mission and discipleship are outworked so let's do them really well in this season and then we do other stuff about like how do you share your faith online and hosting discussions around that so Mm. um, it's been a really exciting month um, and I think I sort of thrive on that change and i thrive in the like pioneering i know lots of people uh feel very overwhelmed by the amount of change so i do recognize that and definitely there are people on my team that feel that but um yeah for me i've been just loving the the change and the yeah the opportunity to innovate and Mm. think of new ways to share my faith
0: amazing so yeah it sounds like you guys are doing a a a great job and you must hear all sorts of stories coming from different people. Like you say, not just across the UK, but across the world. Is there, is there one in particular or a theme of stories that would just stir us with a bit of faith as we, um, we kind of head into this conversation about mission. Is there anything that you could share with us a particular story?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel so blessed that every day I'm hearing stories of people exploring Who Jesus is and trying church, and I think loads of people have heard stories about people trying church for the first time because it's online and it's easy, Um, so people are trying it. But the main theme, I think, specifically for young people, is people that were on the fringe of church and weren't that engaged are now stepping into the heart of community and. I'm just so encouraged by that. The ones that were sort of on the outside, not really involved in this time are bored and have realised that everything that was distracting them from the main thing, from God, isn't important and isn't there anymore. The friends that they used to go clubbing with or whatever, actually they're not the ones that are there for them. The people who are consistent and loving are the Christians. And I just love that that story is repeated all over the UK and um, Definitely here as well.
0: So Mm. That's so encouraging. It's uh, yeah, a real kind of faith stirrer to hear those things because obviously that's what we want to see with our own friends and in our church. So it's good to hear that. Now, Tony, uh, you're someone who I know is really passionate about evangelism. You you talk about it loads. It's been a big part of your story and in, in, in your life. And I know you're a real inspiration to, to many, including myself in the way that you, you kind of pioneer with that through the highs and lows that anyone who does evangelism experiences in... Yeah. I know. Yeah, definitely. Nemi, Nemi's on board. you got some cheerleaders out there, Tony. Um, <laughs> I'm holding back from making jokes. I, I say a lot of harsh things about you. So it's good to say a few <laughs> compliments because you, yeah, like I say, all jokes aside, you're a real, yeah, a real, a real inspiration to, to me and many and how you fight this um, kind of battle for us to keep evangelism on the radar. in as someone who I know we've had lots of conversations and we, we could go in lots of directions, but what would you say are, are some of the, uh, the things that you're wrestling with and thinking through when it comes to evangelism during lockdown?
3: Well, it's definitely a, a new season. Um, Firstly, I went on to one of Catherine's sessions, which was brilliant. The Fusion stuff, the okay. training, no wonder a thousand people have gone on to it. It is really helpful. And I've I gained some things that I've tried from that. But I think my feeling, obviously, and I'm sure most of us know, is that there's an openness at the moment that there's never been before. You know, I think the country has often been known to be a bit cynical about stuff. But we're all in the same boat right now, you know, we're all facing some form of difficulty or uncertainty, whether it's about jobs or health, things like that, or we're overworked. But all with those things in mind, people can't really get away from the thought that I wonder if this is going to affect me or someone I love to the point of dying. And everyone's having those thoughts. So there's a commonality there across the nation. And so it brings an openness. You can be in a queue. I don't go shopping very often, but if I was to, <laughs> people who are in queues are asking those questions. And in our neighbourhood, the road that I live in, we set up a WhatsApp group, and loads and loads of people have done that, loads. And and it's just people are more open. If you tried to have done that two months ago, they would have laughed you out. You know, They would have just gone, what are you on about? And now everyone's connecting. I know, John, you've been out going mad at eight o'clock every Thursday evening and everyone's new and joining in and so there's this wonderful opening and openness like there's empathy there's compassion towards towards one another which is really brilliant you know I've never lived you know I'm just a little bit older than you John but I've never lived in a time where there's so much openness to and compassion towards one another so so that's a clear and easy observation and um I think that's really good and the challenge one of the challenges that I think about that is well how do I move from being involved in community to trying to introduce them to Jesus and it's a challenge how do I go about doing that but also the, the other part of the challenge is I need to be patient because you can you can quickly think right the coronavirus, the world's never going to be the same. Suddenly, there is going to be this amazing revival overnight. And and I think, you know, God is God. And he's, nothing has changed in that sense over the, over the thousands of years, you know. And he will save someone when he chooses to save someone. But I want to find out. And I'm impatient. That's the sort of character that I have, I guess. So I'm wanting to learn. I need to be patient. I need to Find ways of connecting with people that's more than you know just the, the normal things that everybody else is talking about, and so <clears throat> it leads me on to expectation. Because when this did start, I was like, I, I think I'm a bit like Catherine, is it, this all going to happen tonight? You know, before we leave this building or before we go home, as I walk down the road, someone will get saved, but <clears throat> and it doesn't often quite work like that or rarely work like that. But so expectation is really important. So we've just had Easter Sunday and and I thought this is going to be a key time. And I still believe it is a key time, but it's managing our expectations. That doesn't mean lack of faith. It means let's see what God is doing and not be like that balance, right? Between faith and being realistic and being honest, Not, not realistic negatively, being honest. So I'm fighting that. I'm working that through. And thinking, how does that look for us as individuals? You know, in our in our world, when we've invited, as Nemi was talking about, it's easy to send or it's easier to send out a message to 20 people and think they've I've invited them and three of them have looked, and therefore two of them should get saved this week. You know, that it doesn't quite or it might not materialize like that. So it's working through and talking through those expectations. So that we don't get disappointed because I think there's something, I do think there's something deep on the horizon.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, I think it's funny, isn't it? I think during this season, probably our different personalities will show in all sorts of different ways. And I know, um, as you said, Tony, you and Catherine, and I don't know Nemi quite so well, so you, you can let me know if you're similar, Nemi, but uh, it's this kind of, and I think it, it's something that a lot of evangelists carry who you're like, there's that excitement of what could God be doing now? And in many ways, that's really healthy. But as you said, I, I love your honesty there, Tony, just we can have that expectation. But um, the problem is, Real life happens, and then kind of we we've been talking about this and what's going to happen, and then the day comes or the moment passes, and um, it doesn't work out always as we expected. And as you say, it's still trying to have that faith, but it's also what what should I be having faith for? Is it should I be having faith that by the time lockdown ends in three weeks, that the whole of the nation shall be saved, or um, what? And and I, and I know deep down, like we we even though we, we should say, oh yeah, of course, we know that you know that's that's very unlikely to to be the case, but we want to be expectant. And I think Nemi um, raised the point about texting people. I think my experience has been that it's never been easier to invite people to anything. Like, for example, like you, Nemi, you know, you've got colleagues who might live miles from the church, so they're never going to come but they can watch our online service. And you're like, this is amazing. Like I have friends who live in different cities who would never come to our church, but they've watched our Sunday meeting. It's amazing. I love that. But whilst it seems to be easier to invite than ever, it also seems, seems easier for people to flake than ever because there's such low commitment, which is what draws people because it's not like turning up to the church building on a Sunday. But I don't know about you. I invite all these people to Easter Sunday. We're like, yeah, I'm going to be there. And loads of them, I'm like, I haven't heard anything back from them since that uh, Sunday service happened and you're like the numbers were kind of similar to a week before so either a load of our church people didn't come or a load of our friends who said they were going to come didn't show in and we can kind of ignore those stats and and not talk about that but it's real life isn't it and and I think we need to, to, to be honest and be real about what we're experiencing so I don't know about you guys if any of you Nemi or Catherine like that that kind of expectation versus reality how are you grappling with that at the moment? Nemi what about you to begin with how are you finding that
2: yeah i mean it, it's it's a reality isn't it you know how, how do you remain um thankful and faithful for the little that you've seen while still holding this kind of big expectation of what you want to experience i mean you read the bible and you you see all these wonderful promises mm. like well we would like to see these promises now and, and sometimes it's almost like the, the lived out daily experience. It's almost completely different from the promises of God. So it's a is real tension. I think it's, it's, it's there. And so for me, is how do I continue to excite myself um, just beyond what I see, but also to continue reflecting. You know, I often tell myself to say, look, um, my life should uh, not be conditioned just on my experience, uh, because frankly, if it's my experience, then the church would have closed its doors, because I don't know how many people I've, I've helped to come to know Jesus, or I have personally been involved in their lives and come to see Jesus. But when I read uh, the Bible, it kind of talks about, no, look, you will bear fruit. You know, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. You know, You will see these things happen. And so it's like, One of the things that I've used to help myself is, whilst I want to see my reality, and again, there's no denying my reality, um, at the same time, I want to hang on to say, look, this is my reality, but I want to put my focus on God's reality, on what God's promises say. So yeah, there are disappointments, and I'm not seeing enough of what I expect to see fruits in my own life and, and people around me, but... I don't want my reality to define how I see God. I want to always try to elevate my eyes to keep my eyes on God's promises. So that's how, you know, again, I don't know if it's very helpful, but that's how I tend to manage attention, to accept my reality, but at the same time, not keep my eyes down on my reality, but continue to um, look onto God's promises and God's faithfulness. Mm, Yeah, that's good. What are you thinking, Catherine? Catherine?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think about this type of stuff a lot and we're all shaped by our pasts and especially how we became Christians. And I think because I wasn't raised a Christian and became a Christian because someone invited me to church and it was such a like God ordained moment that I feel like I've just seen something of what God might be doing. And so I find it very easy to balance the tension of I don't always see it, but I know He can do it and I know He will do it because He has done it for me. And I know He's going to do it for more because He doesn't just want to save me, He wants to save so many. So I can hold that tension quite well, I think. And that's the Christian life. A lot of it is just holding attention and living life in attention of you've said it God it's been proclaimed it's a promise but I don't see it and I don't feel it and I don't know it how do I like know that you are a God who gives peace but I don't feel peace so how do I live in that tension I think there's lots of moments in our lives where we feel that and it's probably the same for mission right now Um, and so I would naturally go to being excited and being like let's innovate let's create But I also definitely feel that this time is challenging and it does have its specific challenges. Like a lot of how I shared my faith before was in the spontaneous and in the unplanned and the informal, because I think mission is led by the spirit. And so a lot of that um, happens in the like after after like church chats or I just randomly bumped into this person and I didn't think I was going to see them I saw a student crying on the street and ended up chatting to them didn't know that was going to happen like and those moments can't happen now in the same way unless like you said Tony you're in a supermarket queue thinking oh actually maybe I've been put in this queue in this place for such a time as this for this reason um though I haven't had any
0: supermarket evangelistic Yeah, and chat- normally people just trying to avoid you don't they like you've got coronavirus
2: <laughs> like, stay-, <Yeah.
1: laughs> stay away yeah. Yeah. i'm like hello please chat to me <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> i had that with my neighbor today i was like lent out the window like doing the little clap um and saw her i did i went out the window so i could actually see my neighbor over the bush and then it's just the most awkward interaction ever i was like hello how are you she was like hi you're right I'm, like yeah i'm really good how's your david just didn't want to chat so awkward anyway um but yes i think this time comes with the specific challenges but the fear or the the worry that i would have about um feeling like a lot of disappointment in this time is that we would become bitter and in that bitterness be disabled and not do anything So we'd be, we'd just not do anything. We'd be like, well, we don't see anything. Nothing's happening. And the reality is if we don't invite, we're never going to see anyone become a Christian. Well, we might actually, God saves and he can save without us, but he wants to use us. And we're the ones that have this invitation in our hands. So yeah, I think it's a cycle, isn't it? If you're like, I'm really disappointed. I never see anything. I'm never going to invite again. So then of course you're not going to see your friends become Christians
0: so I think yeah of course and Catherine you earlier today even you you, you were telling me about how you were praying about people you can invite to the Alpha course. So the church is running a, a course called Alpha where you can explore the Christian faith. And for the first time ever, we're doing it online. If you're interested in finding out, visit newcom.church forward slash alpha. And Catherine, you were saying this morning about how you you were praying about people to invite and someone came into your mind who you thought, wow, I've hardly ever met them before, but you know, what can it harm? Just sending them a link and saying, this might be of interest to you. And uh, you were pleasantly surprised that very quickly Quickly, they responded and said that they were up for it, and and it it shows that actually there's um yeah maybe more of an openness, and it doesn't take a lot of effort. Like that's just a text message to you, but I don't know if you just want to expand on that story just quickly, to because I think that filled me with a lot of hope.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just was praying specifically for um, names if you're in our Wednesday prayer meeting, um, which you can find out more about on our website as well if you um, click on. Uh, church slash connect. But yeah, I just said sometimes I pray specifically if God would drop names into my head or faces or whatever. And um, I just, yeah, thought of this person. So I invited them and they said, oh, this is the perfect timing. Thank you so much. Just, yeah, it's the sign I wanted, signed up. Um, but then I invited someone else who sort of has been open here and there, who then said yeah I've watched the service I'm not interested in religion anymore I'm not gonna come thanks so and it's
0: great to hear you share that because I think that shows both because that that's the reality isn't it sometimes people who we think oh I've you know they'd be really open to doing alpha aren't and you think what's going on and and then other people who you think there's no chance but what what, what the heck let's just try it and, and they I are open yeah So no I
1: think In that moment, I did feel disappointment and I felt embarrassment as well. Like I felt embarrassed um, that they had said no, which then led me to thinking, why do I feel embarrassed? I have done what I was called to do. I have invited well. I have loved this person through my invitation. I haven't put pressure on them. I've invited very softly. That is all God has asked me to do. And it is not in my strength that they would say yes. And actually, the times I get disappointed about people not becoming Christians is because I think I've put on a really good event. And I think I deserve people to become Christians, which is not right at all, because it's not about us. It's not about me. And I think I'm learning more and more to live that out, to see salvation as a gift. And when my friends or students or people around me become Christians, seeing that as like, a beautiful gift, but not like the thing that I'm controlling. Actually, all I can do is invite. Sometimes people will say yes. Sometimes they'll say no, and that's okay.
2: No, you're you're right, Catherine. I mean, I think we need to get to that place where we are comfortable with disappointments. Um, It's just the reality. I mean, again, Jesus never, you know, he, he didn't hide this from us. He told us clearly some just wouldn't accept. Some just wouldn't like you. And I think it's a place there where we need to get to where, um, you know, you talk to someone and, you know, either they shut you down, they tell you to shut up. Maybe they're not going to be that rude, hopefully. They say they don't want to hear. It's okay. It's part of, I mean, maybe we don't use the word persecution a lot because we think of persecution as being where there is a bad regime and just someone that wants to kill all Christians and all of that. But this is what it means to be persecuted, that you are in the office, um, you speak out about Jesus, you speak out about your faith, you share your faith with someone, and rather than your expectation is that people are going to go, whoa, yes, I would like to find out more about Jesus. Instead, what you find is people shutting you down. And I think as Christians, we need to come to that place of accepting that as part of the mission. That the mission is one where you would hear people say yes and others say no People yeah. would accept and others would shut you down and so we need to get to that point of accepting all it is what we're called to do our role as caption was saying is to just open our mouth and and share and whatever comes out of it in fact i'm even thinking more now that to say persecution is a blessing that disappointments are a blessing because God knows about it. He's seen your effort. So we shouldn't always look for just the outcome that, oh, 10 people got saved because I spoke to 10 of them. And then that means, you know, it's, it's, I've done well, or, you know, God is so pleased with me. God is pleased with us. The, the, The command is to go and preach, to go and make Disciples to go and speak to people. We don't force them. We don't um, twist people. And so I think that disappointment should be part of the daily life of a Christian. That we should accept disappointments. I think.
3: Can I just jump in there because a no <clears throat> might be a no today, but next week, next month, next year could well be a yes because I, I like Catherine, came to Jesus. Later on in life, like well, I was in my twenties, so it was a long time ago. But it was I wasn't didn't grow up in church, but I was saying no, and then I said yes, and so I think part of the journey we're in. Because let's let's get back to this season we're in. There are some great opportunities, and I do believe God is a time of sowing, and it will be a time of reaping, and, and is a time of reaping. And it's like I, I'm I'm prepared for a no because next week when that person thinks about it, or next month or next year when they have a, a crisis or something, I want to be the God person they come to and say, you know that conversation you had with me one year ago or whenever? Tell me again what that was all about. Because, yeah, I, you know, there are disappointments, but God's word, as you said, then never changes. The Bible of the sower, you know, some fell on the path, some on rocky ground. And Some grew up strong, you know like that's the Bible, so we can expect that, and he will save people, and i like I love it the occasions that I've been involved with that, so I you know i don't you know i don't want those, but they're going to come, but we're doing something so I think it's more about like for me and you and, and the everyday Christian in our lives today in this season is i 'm going to live my best life, so I know of a few teachers that They're not working as in going to school every day. So they just put a little note in a few doors. Hey, if you need a bit of help with your kids, I can give a couple of hours a week. And it's like you're showing the love of God to someone. It opens conversations at different times. And and there'll be other things, other acts of kindness that are going on all over. And you don't have to be a Christian to do acts of kindness. But there is something about it. We're showing something of the love of God. So when we come out of this season, we've built some relationships because that's the trouble for a lot of us Christians. The longer you've been a Christian, the more out of touch you are with your everyday person. You know, we're in our little bubble and here's a great opportunity. I'm going to make some friendships. I'm going to take a few risks. I'm going to send a few texts. I might even put on an evening called stories of hope where you invite people in and share stories and it might block and a couple might come. But the point is, We might have a few no's, but who knows what's going to happen in one, two, five years' time when they're suddenly getting baptised. And they say, when the coronavirus hit, someone said this to me, that person did that for me. And then I put two and two together. And because it is, as Catherine said, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And Catherine makes a really good point. That your very best efforts for just nonsense. You know, Catherine's really good at presenting the gospel. But if God's not doing a work in that person's life, well, you know, it's no better than mine. <laughs> you know, but and so it's the work of the Holy Spirit. We just gotta work with that, you know. And and I think is one of the things we need to do at this time is think, right? And not imagine, because I know I'm I'm like pulling a China shot sometimes. I think it's all gonna happen next week. But what I need to do is think and think about the individuals. How do I connect? How can I make that small connection? So I think that's as a, you know, as, ch- as a church, as Christians, we need to be thinking, how do I make those little, like Catherine, I know a couple of times, um, been in different meetings where Catherine said something and, and says, and she even said it tonight, like think of that one person. And that's a, such a simple step. You know, I can think, I can pray, I can send a text, and I can, how did you find it? So there's some simple steps that we can make in this season and then it's up to God, isn't it?
0: Mm, definitely. I think that's it's such a helpful way to, to kind of wrap up the, the, the conversation is is those two things of um, we could have had some theological discussion, some big picture discussion about, you know, is revival going to come during coronavirus? is revival going to come after the truth is we don't know God's ways are his ways. And it may be, obviously we'd love to see many people coming to know Jesus and we want to pray for revival, but, as much, if not more, than we pray for this kind of a theoretical revival, actually, it's, as you were saying, um, all of you, it's about thinking about the one and thinking about today. We, we're not going to spend forever thinking about what will happen in 21, 22, in 2023. 20, it's what can happen this week in my neighborhood. And as you, you've all been saying, again, it's thinking about the one. It's not just like this big, like, of course we want to pray, God save the UK. But actually more than that, our prayer is, God, would you save my next door neighbor or my cousin who seems to be a bit more open now than they used to be? And that's our prayer, isn't it? I think that's so much more tangible for us as a church is we go about this week is not to go away and think these, you know, let's start reading the book of Revelation and this and try and, you know, see which preacher is saying God's about to do this and this. Actually, it's, it's taking the time to say, who in my neighborhood is needy right now and could I show love to? Because they might not, you know, I might not, you know, deliver some porridge oats to them and all of a sudden they say, wow, that's so generous. What must I do to be saved? Like, it's probably not going to happen like that, is it? But it might be that in a year's time, they're like, you know, I'd never spoken to any of my neighbors and even my own family didn't really talk to me much during coronavirus. But just when you did that shopping for me, I was like, There's something, why would, why? And it intrigued me and and then it could open a door. So maybe God will save our loved ones during coronavirus. But as you've all said, maybe it will happen and we pray it will happen um, as, what's the verse? One man plants, another man waters, but it's God who brings the fruit. And whether they say yes, whether they say no, whether they say yes, but don't show up, who knows, but God is the one at work. And so this isn't in our ability or how we craft that perfect WhatsApp message or make the flyer a little really fancy we put through the letterbox. It's just about us being available and then saying, God, it's over to you to do what only you can do. All right, well, that's been such a good conversation. I've loved it. And, and we could have gone on for a lot longer, but um, we'll, we'll cut things off there. And I just wanna um, thank you, Catherine, Tony, and Nemi, for coming on the podcast and um, yeah, really excited to, to see what God's going to do in our church in the area of mission and uh, God bless you. Have a great week and we'll see you soon. See everyone.